Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 9.02 a.m. Central Standard Time. It is the last day of November 2021, November the 30th, and this is episode 509 of Bitcoin, and I'm going to give you a list of books. That's that's right. That's that's right. I've been keeping a thread lately. Um, well, let me just read read this to you. <clears throat> when I did the Meme Factory TM podcast on November the 11th, I was asked for some resources about regenerative agriculture, and there was just too many to mention. So here's a thread that I will add these resources to over time. So that's a tweet thread that I began on November the 16th. I will try to link to the thread in uh, the show notes, but this thread is gonna pop up in my Twitter feed uh, or in your, if you're following me in your Twitter feed again and again, because I'm adding uh, resources to it. I'm gonna try to do it like either every, you know, every other day, there may be days that I add like, you know, one day and then the next day I add another book. But these are all the books, uh, book resources that I've read <clears throat> over the years about regenerative agriculture and things that have something to do with regenerative agriculture. Um, the first one on the list is from the author Jeff Lowenfels. Uh, I, Lowenfels. Uh, I think it's L-O-E-W-E-N-F-E-L-S. I'm not exactly sure. Just, but the the name of the book is all you really need. <clears throat> it's Teeming with Fungi: The Organic Grower's Guide to Myco Mycorrhizae, or in parentheses, a science for gardeners. <clears throat> now, each one of these things, I give a link when I can to the book people in Austin, because I don't want to link to Amazon. I just, I mean, I don't have any great animosity towards Amazon, but I do have a fairly, you know, deep regard for the book people out in Austin because they are one of the original, you know, companies in Austin that, well, you know, did their, have done their best to build a brand around offering a you know good quality products in this case books new and mostly used that's where they you know kind of cut their teeth was on really good quality used books uh down there in austin and since austin is becoming a bitcoin citadel whether austin likes it or not i figured i'd shill the book people because they are actually one of my favorite companies even though i don't live in austin Anyway, so this book, Teeming with Fungi, goes through the essence of mycorrhiza. mycorrhiza, That is spelled M-Y-C-O-R-R-H-I-Z-A-E. Yeah, it's Latin as fuck, man, but whatever. It's a fungus that grows in the ground, and what it does is it associates with about 98% of the plants on Earth. That's like everywhere on Earth. If it's a plant... 
and it's in soil and that soil's not frozen over and the plant's alive, then chances are good by about 98% that it has an association of its roots with this fungus. And that allows the roots to be able to essentially have a secondary root system that the plant itself is unable to build. Okay. <clears throat> what does that mean? Well, it means that the roots can get to places that it normally wouldn't be able to get to because the root goes down in the soil. Mycorrhizae colonizes it in some different, some really weird and different unexpected ways that you really wouldn't imagine if you're, you know, if you just have basic biology from high school and possibly a uh, college, but be that as it may, it does associate. And then the mycorrhizae, because the, the hyphae, the little threads of the mycorrhizae, they kind of look like roots, but they're really thin. I mean, you can see plant roots, but unless they're in masses, you can't really see mycorrhizae because each individual thread is one cell thick. One cell thick. Let me repeat that. One cell thick. And it can blast through soil in ways that nothing else can because it is so small and it basically digests mineral rock that's in the soil by expelling organic acids out of the one cell thick you know membrane right and then when that those organic acid acids come in contact with soil particles it basically breaks it down releasing iron, releasing copper, releasing molybdenum, you name it, man, magnesium, calcium, you, you name it. It basically dissolves it and puts it into a form that can be digested or well, digested is, is a little bit of a, of a bad term here. It is basically able to be transported across the mycorrhizal hyphae the, the fungus's cell walls or, or cell wall and cell membrane put into the interior of the hyphae and then it can be transported like it's in a capillary system, right? Well, that goes back to the plant and it's given to the plant in a form that the plant can use. Otherwise, in most cases, a lot of the mineral part of the soil is not, is not obtainable. A, a lot of the stuff like magnesium and phosphorus and phosphates and uh, let's see, cal what I, calcium and iron and copper and molybdenum and all that kind of manganese and, you know, magnesium and all that shit, generally speaking, isn't really useful by the plant. However, that fungus that's associated with the plant root makes it so. And it transports it to the plant and the plant says, ooh, iron, ooh, copper, and in forms I can use. Their ion state is in a form that the plant can actually use and get into the tree and go do whatever it is that the stuff does in the tree, right? So what does the mycorrhiza get out of it? Sugars, lots of sugars. Sometimes a plant, when it's photosynthesizing, will put up to, and I've heard anywhere between 20 and 50% of its photosynthates or sugars into the soil to feed the life in the soil so that that life in the soil can do exactly this shit. Because mycorrhizae fungi, fungi cannot produce its own food. It's 100% obligated to get its sugars from plant, plant roots, otherwise it dies. 
So what does it give in return? It does this job. It does this job of mining minerals for the plant. And the plant does the job of producing sugars for the fungi. And it does, it's not just an association with fungi, but this book goes through every aspect that you would need to know to start your journey <clears throat> on this particular association, which is of critical importance to food, nutritional density, and all the stuff that we've been talking about as Bitcoiners in regenerative agriculture for the last, you know, well, I've been talking about it for years, but it just seems to be over the past few months uh, that uh, some, some of the most hardcore Bitcoiners are literally turning into what are going to be the most hardcore regen ag people ever. Anyway, the name of the book is Teeming with Fungi by a guy named Jeff Lowenfels. And remember, this book is, is, is part of a three-book series. He has a couple other ones, and I'll get to those. Like, I'll start listing those off tomorrow. But um, make sure that you keep, a, keep track of this thread. If you want to know uh, what books that I've been reading about how to repair soil, what soil is, how soil functions, why we don't, we don't feed plants, people. We feed the soil. The soil takes care of everything else. All we got to do is feed the soil. It's, it really is that easy. Diseases go away when you have proper soil. Pests don't bother your plants when you have healthy soil. I am not bullshitting you. There was, there was a time, get this, there was a time when we didn't use pesticides. We didn't use herbicides. We didn't use chemical fertilizers. And don't give me the bullshit about, well, but there wasn't 8 billion people on the planet. Yeah, no shit, Sherlock. There sure as shit wasn't. And we didn't need to farm anywhere close to the amount of land that we are, well, I'm going to say farming, but what we're really doing is destroying land. We didn't have anywhere close to the amount of arable land that we were working, that we were actually working. The more people came up, the more land we worked. And then we got to World War II and we started fucking everything up. And I'll get into that later because I'm going to start making this kind of a, a part of the show. But anyway, uh, Jeff Lohenfels, Teeming with Fungi. Go pick it up at Book People. If you want to follow him on Twitter, it's at Book People on Twitter. And you can just, you know, uh, DuckDuckGo or Google if you so choose book people in Austin and just you can use their internal search function. But I've got links to each individual book at the book people. So if you're looking in the thread and you want to find it, just click the link and it will take you to book people and you can buy it there. And I highly recommend supporting that because it is a small business. Now, speaking of large businesses, <clears throat> Jack Dorsey's departure from Twitter gives him more time to focus on his passion for Bitcoin. Does it? I don't know. Mackenzie Sigalos is going to tell us more from CNBC. Jack Dorsey stepped down as CEO of Twitter Monday morning, citing his belief that the company was ready to move on from its founders. That means he'll have more time to spend on Square, the payments company he also founded and leads, and on his budding fascination with cryptocurrency. Dorsey is a longtime fan of Bitcoin, attributing his passion for the world's biggest cryptocurrency to its function as a foundational internet technology that is not controlled or influenced by any single individual or entity. Quote, if I were not at Square or Twitter, 
I'd be working on Bitcoin, end quote, Dorsey told a crowd at Bitcoin 2021, a mega conference that drew tens of thousands to Miami in June. Decentralization of power on the internet is a major personal theme for Dorsey. At Twitter, he spearheaded the funding of a project called Blue Sky, which envisions a set of openly published standards for social media companies so users of different social media networks can communicate more easily with one another. New Twitter CEO Parag Argwal, whatever, has been central to chasing this vision, which recalls the way the internet was originally built on top of common standards. So I'm going to pause right there to remind you that Parag is not, not your friend. He's already getting into shitcoining. They're already, I mean, the day he's, that Jack stepped down was the day they started talking about the possibility of adding ETH as a tipping function to Twitter. Have fun with that, bitch. He also has done some other things <clears throat> that are not friendly. Like today, uh, I think he announced that Twitter is not going to allow pictures of people to be put on Twitter without their consent. First of all, how the hell are you gonna do that? Second of all, you can kiss most memes goodbye. And third, the dude is a fucking communist. Everything that you hear in this CNBC piece that actually paints Parag as somebody who's good and shiny and healthy, just disregard it because it's complete bullshit. Let's continue. Tom Lee, the head of research at Fundstrat Global Advisors, told CNBC that the changing of the guard at Twitter is bullish for crypto. Quote, there isn't enough capital actually allocated toward crypto innovation, so it takes people like Jack to really marshal focus, Lee said Monday on CNBC's uh, Tech Check. Square also dialed up its crypto-focused projects this year. With Dorsey now free of his responsibilities at Twitter, many are keen to see what crypto task Square chooses to take on next. The company launched Bitcoin trading in 2018 with the Cash App, <clears throat> allowing users to buy and sell Bitcoin. And in 2019, the company formed Square Crypto, an independent team dedicated to contributing to Bitcoin open source work. And just last year, Square launched the cryptocurrency Open Patent Alliance, or COPA, <clears throat> the Copa Cabana, a nonprofit organization aimed at pooling patents to encourage crypto innovation. Square said in July it was creating a new business dedicated to building decentralized finance applications for Bitcoin, which Dorsey described as, quote, an open developer platform with the sole goal of making it easy to create non-custodial, permissionless, and decentralized financial services, end quote. In October, the Square CEO said that the company might jump into Bitcoin mining businesses, and earlier this month, the payment company released a white paper detailing plans to watch TBDEX, or TBDEX, its own decentralized exchange for buying and selling cryptocurrencies. <clears throat> The payment giant is also building its own hardware wallet to make Bitcoin custody more mainstream. Square has put Bitcoin on its balance sheet, uh, attributing the choice to an alignment of values. The company recorded a fair value of $351.7 million on its Bitcoin investment as of September the 30th. Quote, we believe that Bitcoin has the potential to be a more ubiquitous currency in the future, said Square's chief financial officer, Amarita Ahuja, in a statement. Quote, as it grows in adoption, we intend to learn and participate in a disciplined way. For a company that is building products based on a more inclusive future, the investment is a step on that journey, end quote. Investments such as these come as a critical time for the crypto industry. Quote, I don't think the space is over-invested yet, Lee said. 
Crypto is the intersection of financial services and technology. That's literally 60% of the economy. Okay, so do you buy it or not? Do you buy it? Do you think Jack is going to start focusing on cryptocurrency at this point? Do you think that that's why he left? He, I read, or I didn't read, I skimmed through his resignation letter and it just seemed like a bunch of bullshit to me. And I'm not just trying to call Jack out on writing a bullshit resignation letter. Most resignation letters are bullshit, okay? They are. You know, you don't really ever say what you want to say in your resignation letter. Um, not most of the time, anyway. Uh, generally speaking, you just want out. You know, and I think I think what I read in, in Jack's resignation letter is that the man just wanted out. And what I find fascinating about his resignation letter is that he screenshotted the fucker and tweeted it out. That I have never done. I, I have never, ever tweeted out a picture of my resignation letter ever because it's, you know, it's kind of, I don't know, man. It's like even if I, I'm screaming to get out of a company or something like that. I'm not going to butt fuck him by, <laughs> by writing a bullshit resignation letter and then screenshotting it and posting it to Twitter. But hey, Jack is Jack. Jack can do whatever the hell he wants. But the question becomes, did Jack leave to work on Bitcoin or God forbid crypto? And I've got that in quotes up here. Um, I don't know. I don't know what he's doing. And, and his resignation letter didn't give any evidence as to what his future plans are. It's going to be interesting to see, but here's my here here's my gut feeling. You're not going to hear from Jack for a while, but when you do, it's probably going to blow your hair back. I don't know, nor well, I guess I do care, but I don't know if you think Jack is an asshole or not. I can't wrap my my little mind around, you know, how I feel about Jack because he's pulled some pretty terrifically bad crap, but he's also done some really good things. Uh, in my estimation, that makes him a pretty well-balanced human being, I guess. All right, moving on. Let's get into the <clears throat> International Fair Design Miami to accept Bitcoin payments for artwork. Nice. Nomsios has it for Bitcoin Magazine. <clears throat> International Design Fair Design Miami will accept Bitcoin payments for the first time in this year's edition, according to a statement sent to Bitcoin Magazine. The event's 17th edition will be held in Miami Beach for the first five days of December, featuring presentations from 22 of the world's leading galleries and 19 curio expositions. Quote, Design Miami is excited to expand its digital offering for this year's fair, introducing the official Design Miami mobile app. Per the statement, <clears throat> quote, this new app is a co uh, companion to Design Miami events, offering users the ability to engage like never before and for the first time click to buy exhibited works right from the showroom floor. Quote, building on this digital innovation, Design Miami will be the first major fair to accept cryptocurrency for payment through Coinbase uh, for any objects available on the online marketplace. In addition to the addition of Bitcoin and cryptocurrency payments for artwork, Design Miami will also feature an exclusive collection of, you guessed it, NFTs commissioned from select artist designers affiliated with Design Miami's international creative community. In this year's edition, the fair will embrace a hybrid format, offering in-person and digital talks from big names in art, design, and architecture, including designer Daniel Arsham, architect Florencia Rodriguez, and artist and fashion designer Samuel Ross. <clears throat> 
Each edition of Design Miami showcase museum quality furniture, lighting, and objects d'art from vetted galleries around the world. Each year, the fair takes place alongside Art Basel in Miami, Florida in December and Basel, Switzerland in June. Enthusiasts can also access Design Miami any day of the year through their website featuring shoppable works from the fair's expert galleries. Thank you, Namcios, for not actually giving us the names of the shit coins involved in this, but... You know, <clears throat> art has been part of Bitcoin for a very long time now. This doesn't surprise me. What also doesn't surprise me is their foray into NFTs. You're not going to stop that shit. As much as we can look at it and just call, you know, BS on it all day long, I just don't think that that's actually going to do anything. I'm sorry. That's just the way that I feel. Do I, again, do I like NFTs? No. The entire situation of NFTs right now, to me, just doesn't make a whole lot of sense, except in very, 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 and I mean like maybe one or two use cases, doesn't make sense to me. But all the rest of it, I just think it's people trying to fish money out of your wallet. Speaking of, DeFi protocol Omicron's token jumps tenfold after namesake COVID variant emerges. Guys, you want to talk about peak stupid? Here we go. This one's from Coindesk by Amkar Godbold, <clears throat> the World Health Organization, who Friday named the newly detected SARS-CoV-2 variant B11529 as Omicron, otherwise known as Moronic, and deemed it as a variant of concern, sending Bitcoin and the broader crypto market into a tailspin along with equities, yeah, and also fucking energy. However, one little-known cryptocurrency stayed resilient and chalked up a tenfold rally over the weekend. OMIC, the native coin of decentralized reserve currency protocol with the same name as the newly detected COVID-19 variant Omicron, picked up a bid near $70 late Friday and rose as high as $711 on Sunday. I hope that's a, I hope that's a typo and they were saying $71, but here it says $711. According to data from Crypto.com, the token surge perhaps represents peak irrationality, a case of cryptocurrency rallying just because its parent blockchain coincidentally shares the same name with the new COVID-19 variant. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. The bond-based yield farming project Omicron is built on Ethereum scaling technology Ar Arbitrum, but has no connection to the coronavirus. <laughs> no shit! You had to actually write that? Oh my God. And OMIC is far from being a safe haven asset. While the token's maximum supply is capped at 1 million OMIC, data providers like Misery, Crypto.com, and CoinGecko do not provide details about the cryptocurrency's market cap. <clears throat> Some observers are looking at OMIC's spike as evidence of bubble-like conditions in the crypto market. OMIC is backed by a basket of assets, including stablecoin USDC, and is listed solely on decentralized exchange SushiSwap. Guys, that's all you need to know about this. It, the, the Omkar, or Omkar go, goes on about it, but we don't need any more. Um, the fact that a shitcoin can rise 10%, or what was it, tenfold, 10x. It went up 10x because they named the new variant Omicron. That to me is not, I, I don't think that that's bubble territory or at least bubble territory for Bitcoin. I think it is bubble territory for uh, shit coins. 
and it's I don't know, man. It's got all it's got all the smackings of 2016, 2017, all over again. But you know, you you will get into this shit at your own risk. Okay, just buy Bitcoin, hold Bitcoin, just don't do it. India is back in the news again. And of course this is going to happen. Every time India starts flip-flopping, the next thing I know is that I see a whole shit ton of stuff on India. Arjit Sarkar is writing this one for Cointelegraph. India misinterpreted private crypto ban, says crypto bill creator. Now, right here, we're talking about the fact that India over the last few days has been murmuring that it was going to ban private crypto. Well, they may have like, I don't know, who knows what India is doing. The creator of India's crypto bill, former finance security Subhash Garg, dismissed the notion of banning private cryptocurrencies as a misrepresentation while highlighting the enormous potential of cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology. The parliamentary discussions around a controversial crypto bill sparked fears around the ban of cryptocurrencies with no clear indication about the ban scope. As Cointelegraph reported, an episode of panic selling among Indian investors followed the announcement in an interview with local news channel, uh, local news channel, News 18, Guard clarified, quote, the description of the crypto bill was perhaps a mistake. It is misleading to say that private cryptocurrencies will be banned and to intimate the government about the same. Okay, end quote. He believes that the Indian government, <clears throat> Indian government should formulate a bill after discussing it with stakeholders and crypto investors. And furthermore, the bill suggests banning private cryptocurrencies without clarifying what the word private stands for. <clears throat> yeah, no shit. What? Oh, un- unclear language in a law? <sighs> Perish the thought. As a result, the crypto community in India self-interpreted two different versions of the bill's agenda. One that considers banning all non-government issued cryptocurrencies and the other that excludes cryptocurrencies running on public blockchain, blockchains such as Bitcoin and some shit, unnamed shitcoin. Garg also pointed out the flaw in classifying cryptocurrencies as assets after underscoring the vast ecosystem powered by disruptive technology. He also said that crypto exchanges have limited interest and do not represent the entire community. Quote, you don't classify the wheat that you produce. You don't classify the clothes you produce as assets. That is too much of an oversimplification to treat this as an asset, end quote. On an end note, Garg added that the central bank digital currency initiatives, especially in countries such as India, are complex. According to him, the government first needs to address challenges, including the unavailability of smartphones and digital wallet issuance. The Indian crypto market continues to attract international firms, with the latest being Coinstore, a Singaporean crypto exchange. As Cointelegraph reported, Coinstore has allocated a $20 million fund to set up three new offices in the region. Speaking to Cointelegraph, a Coinstore spokesperson was hopeful for the development of a positive crypto regulatory framework. Quote, strict KYC process, security requirement for exchanges, as well as gradual regulation of certain cryptocurrencies, naturally protect the Indian users and would clarify the legality of certain cryptocurrencies. You said Indian users. I do believe that you spelt Indian government. Protect the Indian government. Wrong. You don't give a shit about Indian users. You couldn't care less about them. 
just like any one of the regulatory bodies in any one of the countries flying a flag on today's planet do. They don't. They, they don't. they don't like you. They don't care about you. You're in their way for some God unknown reason. I mean, I can't imagine saying, you know what New York City needs to be, you know, a walkable city and, and, and for me to enjoy it is no fucking people. Can you imagine what like a great grand city like New Delhi or New York City or uh, I was going to say San Francisco, but let's let's look at something else like maybe Austin, you know, so like these great cities. A fucking Cincinnati is a great city too. Oklahoma City is fucking awesome. Could you imagine any of these cities with only like, you know, with a bunch of empty houses and like one out of 50 people left walking around? Dude, no. And I don't even like cities. You know, I mean, you know me. I, I, I would rather live out in the fucking sticks. But be that as it may, it seems to me that they want a purge of humanity. But what's going to be left? <laughs> it's not. I don't know, man. Whatever. Maybe we'll all just move to Wyoming because they're aiming for 5% of the U.S. Bitcoin mining hash rate by next happening. Bitcoin Magazine has it. Amanda Cavallari is writing it. Wyoming is on a mission to house 5% of U.S. Bitcoin mining hash rate by the next halvening in May 2024. This goes hand in hand with Wyoming's strengths and aligns well with economic development and job creation goals. For context, Wyoming has the lowest population density in the lower 48 states. At six people per square mile, neighboring Colorado houses 56 people per square mile. Wyoming also has a difficult time retaining recent graduates because their ambitious or ambitions for careers and salaries often don't match what the rural Wyoming job market is currently offering compared to major cities like Seattle and Denver. A major goal of the University of Wyoming's president, Dr. Edward Seidel, is to at least match bordering Montana's post-graduation retention rate, which is the equivalent of adding 250 high-paying full-time jobs in Wyoming with an annual salary of 75 grand <clears throat> or more. 2021's average annual wages in the state are hovering just above 50,000. Every 10 megawatts of mining adds about one or two direct full-time employees, plus brings ancillary growth to local economies such as construction, engineering, and manufacturing jobs. Bringing Bitcoin mining to Wyoming can easily put a dent in the goal of bringing 250 new well-paid careers to Wyoming in the near term. This efficient and nimble state has historically been a leader in innovative legislation, so it is of no surprise that Wyoming state congressmen and regulators have been leading the way globally for digital asset legislation in the last four years. Additionally, Cynthia Lummis, U.S. Senator, the Bitcoin Senator, has worked tirelessly on bipartisan policy that enables America to lead the way in digital assets so that we may maintain our global competitiveness. Better put a tie on that suit speak. Cynthia Loomis, oh, Loomis will provide opening remarks for the university's second Bitcoin mining webinar. Nice, nice. So they're going to target 5%. Okay, that's a good target. 5% of, uh, of, of the, you know, of all Bitcoin mining. Or I guess that they're saying 5% of U.S. Bitcoin mining hash rate by next happening. Uh, yeah, what, what, here's what I find odd. Do you know how cheap it is to live in Wyoming? That's the thing is that all, all the graduates, you know, that they're, they're kind of moaning about losing their graduates. What they're not doing, 
to keep those graduates is kind of mind boggling. It doesn't seem to me like they're saying, look, yeah, you're only getting $50,000 here a year, but look what you get with that. Whereas if you go to Seattle, look what you get with 75,000. That you don't get shit for $75,000 living in fucking Seattle. I'll tell you one thing, 50 grand in Wyoming, gonna go a shit ton farther than 75 in Seattle. Let's run the numbers. CNBC futures and commodities, although they're not really futures right now since the market is actually open, but flammable liquids getting doused, quenched, killed, thrown off the ledge, buried alive, keel hauled, and otherwise destroyed. Oil, West Texas, down three and a third points to $67.53 a barrel. Brent North Sea is down likewise three and almost 3.5%, $70.92. Natural gas taking it on the chin and in the crotch, 7% to the downside, $4 and a half on a thousand cubic feet of the smelly stuff. Gasoline, 2.69% to the downside, Two dollars and two cents per gallon, giving the people on the West Coast just a bit of a break. Shiny metal rocks and Peter Schiff are glowing today. Eighteen hundred and nine dollars on gold after a one and a third percent rise. Silver up two percent to twenty three dollars and twenty six cents. Platinum, copper, and palladium, however, are all down. With platinum taking it on the chin by being down almost a full point. All agricultural futures are down, and our biggest loser today is cotton at 4.5% down to the downside. Next after that is wheat, 1.76% to the downside. Anybody else? Oh, no, sugar just flipped over. It was 1.81% to the downside. Everything's down, including Dow. The Dow is down 083 percent uh s p is down a half and the s p mini is down 1.31 percent the only thing that's making a gain in its scant is nasdaq up 0.09 percent let's talk about real money which is also getting a boost from all this oh by the way the reason that all these things are down today is because of the the moron virus yes sir the moronic virus is being doubled down on across the world, even though this particular variant, which discovered in South Africa, and it appears that a couple of the doctors that first noticed the Omicron variant are kind of befuddled as to the reaction of the world on the Omicron variant, because they're saying, dude, this is like the mildest case of this shit that we've ever seen. We don't understand why everybody's flipping their shit about it. They're literally saying that, so they'll probably have their licenses pulled uh, pulled forthwith because they're actually, you know, telling the truth and trying to warn people that this is all bullshit. But the rest of the world has basically taken the Omicron variant as mild as it is and turned it into a brain tumor immediately. And it's the worst brain tumor ever. If you're not seeing what's going on yet, I cannot help you. I just can't. And there are people that I know that refuse to see the truth. They just refuse. They will not see what's going on. They will not understand 
and come to be reckoned with the fact that they have been lied to, they are being lied to, and they will continue to be lied to until they tell the people lying to them to either stop or they just stop listening to them. And it's going to be the second one. You cannot listen to the people that are talking at this point. You just can't. Become a Bitcoiner. Seriously, become a Bitcoiner. Anyway, $58,527 for one uh, a price of one Bitcoin. <clears throat> 311,000 transactions performed in the last 24 hours. That's about 13,000 transactions on average per hour with almost a million Bitcoin being traded hands in the last 24 hours. <clears throat> 38,151 BTC is the average being sent per hour and almost three BTC is the average transaction value. The median transaction value is back at 0.013 BTC or 750 bucks. Block times are fairly low at nine minutes and 48 seconds with 0.08 BTC being taken in fees on a per block basis and 12 and a third BTC being taken in fees overall in the last 24 hour period. With a 5.2% rise in hash rate, we are up to 163.63 exahashes per second. Your shitcoin indicator is Doge as usual at 22.2 United States pennies. Screw that dog. 4,643 transactions are awaiting eight blocks to clear. We have a $1.11 trillion market cap, which is 9.43% of gold's entire market cap. And alas, we can only buy 32.7 ounces of shiny metal rock with our one Bitcoin, of which there are 18,887,229.0 of. 3,303 of those BTC are locked up in the Lightning Network valued at $194.1 million. That's being handled by 18,362 Lightning nodes that we know about, featuring 81,205 payment channels that we can see, and 74.4% of all that shit's being run over Tor. Uh, 11,170 nodes handling those 2,458.86 BTC, and that's going to do it for vitals. Welcome to part two of the news that you can use. Helen Parts has this one from Cointelegraph. CBDC is a tool to combat Bitcoin, says Bank of Indonesia executive. Yeah, yeah, well, we knew that. Central bank digital currencies, digital versions of national currencies introduced in response to growing cryptocurrency adoption would be an essential tool for combating crypto, according to the Central Bank of Indonesia. Let us pause. Uh, CBDCs introduced in response to growing cryptocurrency adoption. Bullshit. Bullshit. What the pace of development and shit that's going on, the frenzy around CBDCs is definitely part of a reaction to Bitcoin and the unnamed shitcoins. However, that the, we, whether Bitcoin was here or not, CBDCs were coming. They were coming, people. This is the, the development of the fir very first CBDC, the very first inkling in the eye of the first creator of the CBDC has nothing to do with Bitcoin. It was always going to happen. It just so happened that Bitcoin intervened before they could pull the trigger on that shit. It did accelerate everything in CBDCs, but had Bitcoin not come along, 
we would still be looking square in the face of CBDCs. Maybe not as quickly, but we certainly would have. Let's continue. The Central Bank of Indonesia is considering launching a digital rupa to fight against cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, Bank of Indonesia uh, Assistant Governor Yuda Agung said in a recent parliamentary meeting, quote, a CBDC would be one of the tools to fight crypto. We assume that people would find CBDCs more credible than crypto. <laughs> Most of crypto, maybe. CBDC would be part of an effort to address the use of crypto in financial transactions, Agung stated, according to a Tuesday Bloomberg report. The official noted that cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin are currently traded alongside commodity futures and regulated by the trade ministry despite severe impacts on the financial system. The news comes shortly after the National Ulema Council, Indonesia's top Islamic scholarly body, reportedly found cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin to be haram and forbidden by the tenets of Islam. The East Java branch of one of the MUI previously issued a statement deeming the use of cryptocurrency haram back in late October. As previously reported, the Indonesian government has taken a mixed stance on crypto regulation. Despite banning cryptocurrency payments back in 2017, local authorities have opted to keep cryptocurrency trading legal. In April 2021, Indonesia's Commodity Futures Trading Regulatory Agency and the Ministry of Trading reportedly announced plans to launch a government-backed crypto exchange in the second half of 2021. While maintaining a mixed stance on crypto, Indonesian regulators have been increasingly looking at a potential CBDC. In May, the Bank of Indonesia Governor Perry Wajarlulul announced plans to launch a digital rupa as a legal payment instrument in Indonesia. CBDCs, such as the Chinese digital yuan, are apparently designed to curb cryptocurrency adoption as one of their key features. Jesus Christ, you guys don't understand shit. Indonesia is not alone in thinking that CBDCs can help governments combat crypto. In mid-November, Bank of Russia Governor Elvira Nubalina said that CBDCs should serve as a good option for governments to replace decentralized cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin. Good fucking luck on that shit, dude. All right, there's one other thing in here. This quote right here, <clears throat> a CBDC would be one of the tools to fight crypto. We assume that people would find CBDC more credible than crypto. CBDC would be part of an effort to address the use of crypto in financial transactions, Argung stated. Okay, about that. Argung clearly has no idea what is going on here. And this actually should make you feel good. Why? because the top people are starting to already get CBDCs wrong. And that's gonna cause confusion and dissent in the internals of these governments where you've got an entire group of people that have real fucking power and a real say about what's going on, getting it so wrong and try to use it to do something that it was not actually designed to do to convert a CBDC into a tool to quote unquote destroy crypto or destroy Bitcoin, while the people that actually know how to use it also have real fucking power and real say, and they're going to lock horns internally inside of all these parliaments about what a CBDC is. So it becomes like shitcoins to Bitcoin, CBDCs in their unimaginable confusion that it's going to generate internally in these governments is also going to function as, I said it before, ablative armor, ablative armor to Bitcoin. 
While these guys are wasting their energy, their ammunition, their know-how, and everything else on trying to destroy Bitcoin, the only thing that they're actually going to destroy is themselves. But right before then is going to be all of the shit coins and all of the shit coin exchanges and anything that is low hanging fruit. And then when they're all out of ammo and they're all out of energy and all the low hanging fruit is pulled off of the fucking tree, the only thing left is the tree itself that is Bitcoin. Bitcoin is the tree of life. Just saying. Israel is stepping up its central bank digital currency efforts, says a report. How Israel became to be so damn cucked is beyond my comprehension. They are descended from the seven tribes of Israel. And these are some of the most badass people you will ever read about. And somehow or another, they've turned into a bunch of spineless idiots. And I just, it's so sad to watch Israel fall into this bullshit. I, for one, held out for the longest time a torch of hope that Israel would stand there and say, no, we're not doing this. And what happened? They were the first ones to just get cucked. Whatever. Israel is fast-tracking its research and development efforts for its own central bank digital currency, CBDC. Reuters reported today, citing the Bank of Israel governor, Amir Yaron, who has been the central bank's governor since 2018, said Monday that although the Bank of Israel had not decided yet on issuing a digital shekel, it was committed to being at the forefront of economic and technological knowledge regarding a CBDC, the report said. Uh, but CBDCs are different to cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin and Ethereum because they are permissioned and centralized. Countries around the world are currently researching the benefits of developing their own CBDCs. Israel in May said that a digital shekel could help its economy and that it was trialing the Ethereum blockchain for its own CBDC. Today, of course, the pause, of course, they're going to trial on Ethereum. That's good news for Bitcoin. They have to use Ethereum because it's the only way that they can go knock on the developers' doors and the Ethereum Foundation and possibly even, you know, look at, at a Vitalik Buterin and say, prison awaits for you who do not do our bidding. And he will do their bidding. And he has control over the Ethereum blockchain. Of course, they're going to put it on the Ethereum blockchain. And it's also good because it's going to jam up their fucking pipes, which is exactly what I want to see. I, I have no problem with the digital shekel being on Ethereum. Today, Yaron added that central banks have a unique role to play in preventing fragmentation and ensuring that the payment system becomes even more uniform and efficient. And that one way to do this is through a CBDC. I think you spelled obedient wrong there with the use of efficient. The idea is that a digital shekel would create a more efficient payment system, he said. CBDCs are split into two types, retail and interbank. A retail CBDC can be directly held by citizens and is used as a digital form of cash as a complement to paper money. An interbank CBDC is restricted to use by financial institutions for interbank payments and financial settlement processes. Most countries looking to issue a CBDC will use blockchain technology to do so, according to a report earlier this year by PricewaterhouseCoopers. They're not going to be using a blockchain. They're going to be using a uh, centralized, uh, basically a, a centralized yet distributed ledger. I, it, block, blockchains just, they, they, they don't work for th what they want. They want obedience. You don't get that with blockchain because a true blockchain is truly decentralized, which is truly not obedient. Again, I am not hurt one single bit that the Israelis, the cucks that they are at this point, 
And I'm not talking about the citizenry. I'm talking about the government. I'm sure there's a lot of citizens of Israel who are like, so done with this, so done with this. I usually, when I'm talking about a country being fucked, it's usually I'm talking about the government. Although there's always a component of the citizenry, and it happens in the United States too. We've got a large component of the citizenry that's just as cucked as anybody else, but what are you going to do? Anyway, I don't have any problem with this shit being on Ethereum. I hope it jams up their pipes. I hope it breaks the Ethereum, the Ethereum chain. I hope when they move to proof of stake that it's going to be even worse even worse, a good demonstration of why you really do want decentralized, why you really do want an actual functional blockchain or time chain in this case, and why you actually want Bitcoin and not anything else because all this other shit can be cucked to death. Speaking of cucks, Coinbase acquires cryptographic security firm Unbound for undisclosed sum. Coindesk has it. Jamie Crawley writes it. <clears throat> Coinbase considers Unbound Security to be a pioneer in MPC, or multi-party computational capabilities, a subset of cryptography that allows multiple parties to evaluate a computation without any of them revealing their own private data. With the acquisition, Coinbase will also establish presence in Upbound's native Israel. Israel. We were just talking about Israel. According to a blog post on Tuesday, financial terms of the acquisition were not disclosed. Coinbase did not immediately respond to Coindesk's request for comment. Quote, secure multi-party computation is an application for advanced mathematics to enable crypto assets to, to be stored, transferred, and deployed more securely, easily, and flexibly than ever before, Coinbase wrote in a blog post. So there, this is the at least the second time that I know about, if probably not, actually I think it's the third time that they've acquired a company that is directly responsible for trying to fuck over your anonymity or your pseudonymity, as the case may be. They don't want you to be able to be private. Coinbase hates you. Coinbase wants to be in the pocket of the government. They feel cozy there, like a hamster. Right? I mean, for a cute little fuzzy mammal, just sitting there, just kind of like being all cute and shit. That's what the bald headed, naked mole rat Brian Armstrong wants. He wants to be a pet. He doesn't really want to continuously being out on his own. It's too scary. So, what does he do? He pads his little nest with all these things that look really shiny to the governments of the world, and he will be their little boy. What a Fucking God, what spineless mole rat. Speaking of, we got Fatty on the horizon. BIS Innovation Hub partners with Fed to support analysis of digital assets. Cointelegraph's Turner Wright. Please tell me the right thing. The Reserve Bank of New York has announced it will be partnering with the Bank of International Settlements, Fatty Home, Innovation Hub as part of a launch of its New York Innovation Center, an initiative aimed at exploring technology used to develop the global financial system. That's, I'm sorry, I'm laughing at that. An, innov, an initiative aimed at exploring technology used to develop the global financial system. Used by who? In a Monday speech for the opening of the New York Innovation Center, Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell said the partnership would support the agency's analysis of digital currencies, including the rollout of a central bank digital currency. The center plans to support analysis aimed at improving cross-border payment systems. Bullshit, you don't care. 
Quote, the pace of technological change and innovation over the last decade has led some to argue that we are on the brink of a fourth industrial revolution, a digital revolution, said Powell. Certainly, rapid innovation, including through the application of advanced digital technologies, machine learning, artificial intelligence, and big data, is revolutionizing the financial sector. Pervon Zilowitz, former PwC Director of Banking Transformation, will be leading the Innovation Center with locations in Hong Kong, Singapore, Toronto, London, Stockholm, and more. BIS Innovation Hubs have supported some research projects aimed at integrating CBDCs into different countries' payment systems, as well as other infrastructure used by central banks. A BIS survey from January showed that 86% of major central banks were actively exploring the introduction of CBDCs. Powell's comments came as he awaits a hearing from the Senate Banking Committee to consider his nomination for a second term as Fed chair. He said in September that the Fed was working proactively to issue a CBDC, but was unlikely to support a blanket ban on cryptocurrencies. So there you go. Fat man, Hangs out with cuckold Jerome Powell. Oh, God. And if you don't know why I'm calling it Fat Man, the BIS is headed by Augustine Carstens. If you have not seen a picture of Burger Meister Meister Burger, you may want to go look up Augustine Carstens and you'll figure out, oh, shit, Fat Man. Yeah, now I get it. Uh, from Fat Man to Stupid Man, crypto firm Galaxy Digital to raise $500 million for new fund mining operations. Liam Kelly has it for Decrypt. Galaxy Digital is raising fresh funds to continue the firm's expansion and keep pace with the crypto industry's continued growth. The firm is looking to raise $500 million through the sale of five-year convertible bonds in exchange for stock in the company. Let me read that again because that probably sounds familiar to you. The firm is looking to raise $500 million through the sale of five-year convertible bonds in exchange for stock in the company. These notes would earn holders 3% interest and are set to mature in 2026, according to the firm. Galaxy Digital is a registered crypto broker dealer that offers financial services for professional investors looking to enter the cryptocurrency market. As of October the 31st, 2021, the firm managed over $3.1 billion in assets, the most notable of which have been Galaxy's suite of crypto exchange-traded funds in Canada. The latest sale will be executed in a private placement with reported, with reported buyers including the Senator Investment Group, New Zealand Funds, and ARCA. These funds will be used to continue expanding the firm's asset management business as well as launch a new fund and hire more talent. Galaxy Digital does not have plans to roll out services for the retail market because you suck, instead preferring to continue catering to institutional investors because they suck dick. The fundraising announcement has also been coupled with news that the Cayman Islands-based company will move its headquarters to New York. Oh, that's probably not a good move. Last month, Galaxy Digital raised another $325 million for its Galaxy Interactive Fund, which is focused on the fast-growing crypto games and arts space. Sam Engelbart, a general partner at Galaxy, told Decrypt at that time that the move aimed to cater to young people moving in mass to digital. The fund has already deployed $150 million in Mythical Games and the fractionalized art project Masterworks. Galaxy Digital launched another fund this summer focused on the decentralized finance sector too. Called the Bloomberg Galaxy DeFi Index, the fund offers professional investors exposure to Oh, 
Oh, Lord have mercy. Blue chip DeFi tokens. I repeat, blue chip DeFi tokens like SushiSwap, Aave, Maker, Yearn, Uniswap, Compound, and other pieces of shit. The speed at which Mike Novogratz's firm is raising and deploying capital is yet more evidence that the crypto industry and inter institutional interest is in it is hotter than ever. Oh, God, it was really hard to get through, guys. Oh, I might have to have a beer, and it's only 9.58 a.m. Guy just, I'm getting to the point where Mike Novogratz, every time I hear him talk, it's just like a knife through the fucking heart, and it's just twisting in it. Like going, oh my God, you don't understand any of this shit. This really is starting to resemble the dot-com bubble of 20 or, or 2000 and 2001. And of course, clearly the, the lead up in, you know, into the dot-com bubble thing. I'm, guys, look, mm, it's really, 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 really hard to, you know, continue to, to look at the ancillary parts of Bitcoin, i.e. the wider cryptocurrency space as something that is going to get people wrecked and really badly. It, it, if, if you get out alive and you tell me I'm wrong, hey, I get it. You know, but I think it's because you got lucky that you happened to hold on to the one token that didn't get just, you know, crapped all over. But by and large, if you have a diversified shitcoin portfolio, you're going to lose 90% of it. I, that's my gut feeling. I, it's not investment advice because, I mean, who gives investment advice off their gut feeling? But there's something about this that doesn't feel right. And people like Mike Novogratz that are just throwing money hand over fist really does resemble the whole dot-com thing. So I'm just saying, y'all, be careful, be aware, be vigilant. That's going to do it for the morning roundup. All right, it's Tuesday. So, got a joke for you. I was kidnapped by a mad scientist who experimented on me, replacing my limbs with animal ones. If I ever see him again, I'll tear him apart with my bare hands. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Figured, you know, if we're into a little, <coughs> a little bit of bear activity, I might as well have a bear joke. Get it? Get it? All right, look, hey, guys, if you want to support the show, you know, uh, five-star reviews on Apple iTunes always is always a help. Uh, you can tip me. I've got my... Uh, Twitter tip jar open. So if you want to tip me through strike uh, or actually through Twitter, but they're using, they're actually railing on, on strike to be able to do that. I would be very much appreciated. Also podcasting 2.0. I sh keep forgetting to open every show with like some kind of advertisement for podcasting 2.0, but it is absolutely the very best way that we have to be able to um, uh, help podcasters out you know, without, so podcasters don't have to have, you know, advertisements and stuff like that, that they don't really want. Um, you stream me Satoshi's and while you're listening to the show on your favorite podcasting 2.0 app, 
and that those Satoshis go right into my Lightning wallet, which I keep on my Lightning node, which is sitting about three feet away from me on top of my computer. Um, all those things really do help, and all those things are really much appreciated. I also have a Patreon uh, page. You can look for it, Patreon, Bitcoin, and Podcast if you want. That's Bitcoin and Podcast. And uh, help me out, and I'll, I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and... And I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.